Uh, we've been in this uh, series, God Is, uh, for a few weeks now. And we've been kind of going through uh, some... We went through some different situations or stories like David and Goliath and Elisha uh, to demonstrate how God is with us, how God is for us, uh, and, and God is strong. We've been camping out on the 23rd Psalm to see some of these other elements of God. God is the shepherd. God is... He compares Himself... Uh, as a shepherd, and throughout the scripture, he compares himself as a shepherd. As we've been studying this uh, uh, to prepare for for uh, sermons, as well as in our staff meetings, it's been really exciting to just uh, just kind of engage in this to see how God, you know, God compares us to sheep. I've heard a lot of people uh, down through the years say, "Well, people are often compared to sheep because sheep are really stupid," and it's like I don't think that's a fair. I don't think that's fair. I get that we're humans. Uh, we do make some pretty bonehead decisions at times. Uh, you know, I get that. But sheep aren't stupid. But there's some similarities between sheep, and when you really break it down, and you really look at it intently and what it meant, and how David viewed himself as a sheep calling out to the Lord, saying, the Lord is my shepherd, it has extreme, profound impact. A few weeks ago, we talked about how if those four th- there's four things that need to be met, there, our hunger needs to be met. The lack of fear needs to, or fear needs to be uh removed from our lives uh, in order order for us to feel rest and at peace. So once our hunger is taken care of, once um, our fear is removed, once there's this uh, social pressure, we could say, where, you know, where you have this, you know how uh, when we get into groups of people, there's this social pressure that can happen where some people want to just kind of make it their life mission to to annoy us. Um, When those things are removed from a, a sheepfold, uh, as well as uh, pestilences and things like that, uh, when those four things are met, that's when a sheep can relax. That's when a sheep can lie down. That's when a sheep can feel the soul being restored, just like you and I, when our hunger's met. Now, I'm not talking about just physical hunger, although that plays in there too, right? But I'm talking about our spiritual hunger. We spent a whole lot of time looking at Ephesians and talking about this hunger that we have inside of us that, that a lot of times we can't get it satisfied because we try to fill it with things. We try to, we try to uh, satisfy it with things that can't fulfill it or can't quench it or however you want to, how, what, however you want to say it. But there's, and so we look to things. We may look to our jobs, our careers. We may look to our kids. We may look to our spouses. We may look to finances. We may look to the way we dress. We may look to our possessions. All these other things, and they, they can become our idols, where we bow down and we worship them. But they never, ever satisfy that drive within us because they can't. Only God can satisfy that hunger that we have inside of us. Fear is another one. Some of us are in here this morning, we may be fearing life, we may be fearing certain situations, we may be fearing certain relationships or people or dynamics or whatever it is, we have this fear in our life and we read in the scripture that says, God is love and He drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. And so when we look to Him and we say, hey God, why don't you take care of it? Why don't we, pros- we, we, we put ourselves before God in a humble, contrite position and we say, God, why don't you take it? Because I can't deal with this. I can't make it go away. We may have things in our lives uh, such as pests like sheep with lice and ticks and things like that where that's how we feel. There's things in our lives that are like they just keep nagging us. We, we, we keep trying to, to deal with it. And that's, what, that's the problem. We keep trying to deal with them. We keep trying to, to uh, fix them. We keep try, trying to bring resolution to these things within our lives when only God can. 
And, we, and that's why we talked about looking at the vertical and we constantly are, we're trying to fix, we're trying to fix, we're trying to deal with this, we're trying to fix this relationship. Because if I can just control this and I can control you, I'm going to be happy. And we've bought into that myth. We've bought into that myth from Satan that says keep trying harder, keep trying harder, keep trying harder because that's what you need to do. And some of us are exhausted because we're trying to control everything within our lives and it's not working. And God says, bring it to me. Let me deal with it. Focus on me. I am the good shepherd. And then there's other things such as dynamics, relational dynamics and things like that that we try to address, but only God can take care of. And so, as we go through those things, and and as we talked about those things, we see that God emerges as this good shepherd. Jesus claims to be the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the one that will lead you. I am the one that will restore your soul. I will give you life. I will give you life to the fullest. I will bring you a sense of fulfillment and contentment that nothing else can. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. I will protect you. I will feed you. I will take care of you. I will, protect, I will lead you. And I will lead you into places that will, that will um, just enable you to become the person that I've created you to be. I am the good shepherd. And so, once again, I want to just take us through this verse or this uh, particular passage of Scripture Uh, Psalm 23, as David writes it, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, And he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read you that same passage of Scripture from a translation called, I think it's the Passion Translation. Listen to this. God is my fierce protector and provider. I I always have more than enough. Like a shepherd, He finds a resting place for me in His luxury love. He tracks, he tracks, take me, his tracks take me to the quiet brooks of bliss, an oasis of grace. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens up before me pathways to God's pleasure, leading me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when his path takes me through the valley of deep darkness, deepest darkness, fear will not conquer me. For, that, for you already have. Forever close to me, you will lead me through it all the way. The strength of your authority is my peace, my reassurance. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely when you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of your love. You give me all I can drink until my heart overflows. Why would I fear the future? For your goodness and unfailing love will always be my companions every day. Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence forever with you. 
that first part of that, I want you to look what happens. There's something that, that takes place, but as, as, as we look at this, and he talks about, uh, like a shepherd who finds a resting place in my luxury love, he, tra- he, his tracks take me to the quiet brooks of bliss. Something in- interesting is, is about sheep is that once they form a set of tracks, they become very habitual with those tracks, okay? This is the track. This is the track we walk on. This is the track I will take until Jesus returns, okay? Just like you and I. We've done this. This is the way it's supposed to be done. I will continue to do this. I don't care once I get there. If I'm, if I'm hungry and I can't find food, that doesn't matter because this is the track. This is the track I'm going to stay on. I don't care if I'm going to find fulfillment or contentment because this is my track. And I'm going to stay on this track and... I'm just going to continue to take this track regardless of where it ta- regardless of what I find at the other end, whether it meets my needs, whether it meets anything, whether if I'm still in fear when I go down it, whatever it is, I'm going to stay on this track because this is the track where the shepherd comes along and says, there's times that we need to take another track. This track's no longer good. This track no longer provides food. This track no longer provides protection. This track no longer provides the restoration of the soul. This track doesn't pr- produce what needs to be produced so that you will become the person that God has created you to be. And so the shepherd goes and he leads his sheep, he leads the flock down other paths and creates other paths so that the flock can experience that sense of I'm being cared for, I'm being protected, I'm, I'm, I'm able to have all this new food that's set before me. I can, you know, and all this, what happens is then there, our souls or their souls can be restored just like yours and mine. And so something happens when we follow God. The shepherd goes. The shepherd's already went. The shepherd already knows. Sometimes, sometimes that path, as we're told, and if you look at this from the perspective of a shepherd, sometimes the best place to go for the best nutrients of food is in a place that could be very scary with predators and other things, natural, uh, we could say disasters or things like that, that could take place. Sometimes a shepherd will take them through the cliffs or the dark spot where there's not much light that shines in this canyon, uh, but to get to a better place, or even in that place at that particular point in time, because the sun doesn't hit that place too often, it'll hit it in the morning and the afternoon, because that place doesn't experience the harshness of the sun, sometimes the best grazing area is right in that particular spot. And the shepherd says, we're going here for a few. And you've got to trust me. Because I get that there's predators that could be hiding. I get that there's predators. I get that there could be a flash flood take place and this canyon be filled full of water. But you've got to trust me and understand that I'm taking you to a better place. And so the shepherd takes them and he leads them through and he begins to forge new tracks that's going to give them much better nutrients of of food and protection and things like that. For some of us as humans, we struggle with that. Because it requires a great deal of what? Trust. God, you want me to go where? You want to take me through this? God, you, you know that this problem, there is a problem and I, you need to just take it away. You need to remove it. 
And God's saying, I want to lead you through it. Because once I lead you through it, you're going to become stronger. Just like James says, right? Not if trials and trials and temptations are going to come your way. That's not what the text says. That's not what James says in his letter. He says what? When. When trials and temptations come your way, when you go through them, and you go through them the way the shepherd wants you to go through them, what happens? We become stronger. We become stronger. We, our faith is deepened because we trusted the shepherd and the shepherd proved to be true. The shepherd led us through that dark moment and we didn't want to go, but we allowed him to take us through there and because of that, we became a better person. We became more into the image of Jesus Christ because we went through that and we trusted the shepherd as he led us through that process. I don't know if you've caught this. Some of you, I'm sure you have, but I just... just be patient with me as I point it out again. There's something that takes place within this 23rd Psalm. And it's very interesting what, what, how it takes place because in the first part of this, Mark, would you go back to that first uh, slide with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? You. Did you pick up on that? He leads me. He makes me. He does this. He does that. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 it shifts. You. You. You are with me. Your rod, not His rod, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's key. That is huge. That is key. Because he shifts it from he to you. Why do you think he did that? Why does he shift? Why does he go from he? By the way, if, you're, if you went through Vertical Church, one of the things he talked about uh, in that, in some of the songs that we sing, it doesn't matter if they're hymns. It doesn't matter if they're new songs. We're not into that worship war that some people like to engage in. I could care less about. Couldn't care less about it. Okay, but in a hymn or a new song, let's just use the word songs. Okay, there are two types of songs. There are songs that sing about God, and there are songs that sing what to God. If you take note of the majority of songs, if not all the songs that we sing, it's all about you. You've done this. You've led me. You protect me. You went to the cross. Your blood ran down the cross. You saved me. You're my salvation. You lead me. You feed me. You protect me. You, God. You, God. You, Jesus. You, Jesus. And we sing to Him. It is a huge shift to say, I think, where we sing or we talk about God. Because for some of us, we can't talk to God in the first person like you. We can't do that because we haven't what? We haven't truly experienced Him, have we? And for some of us, it's all about the He. He, 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 He. 
And we know an awful lot about Him. We know an awful lot about God. We know a lot about that, but yet we haven't experienced Him to the point where we can say, You have led me. You came through. You removed the burden within my life. You protected me. It's, it's this sense of experiencing Him. A handful of years ago, we asked you, we tried to lead our church body through a study called Experiencing God. The author of that uh, curriculum, uh, Henry Blackaby, uh, in one part talked about this. If you went through it and you spent some time in it, you, you, you go through a lot of the names within the Bible of God are names from people, from man, men and women experiencing God. And there's a name, because of that, there was a name attached to God. You remember that if you went through it? Let me just read a couple of them to you. El Shaddai, Lord God Almighty. But the El Shaddai means I've experienced the Lord God Almighty. I've experienced Him, and because I've experienced Him, He's El Shaddai to me. El Elyon, the Most High God. Adonai, Lord, Master. He's my Adonai, because I've experienced Him as such. Yahweh, Jehovah Nisi. I'm going to butcher these up, so just follow. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner. The Lord, when, you know what the banner meant? You know, when they would go and fight, there would be a banner coming out to say, this is who we are and this is, the, this is our God. The banner, God, He's my God. He's my, he's my Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Raha, the Lord my shepherd, like here, the Lord my shepherd. But I, because I've experienced Him as my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Um, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He healed me. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Jehovah Tzitzit. Tzadiki, the Lord of our righteousness, Jehovah, Jehovah Mekadishim, the Lord who sanctifies. You don't know if I'm pronouncing these right or wrong, do you? I'm pronouncing them right, so don't snicker, okay? El Olam, the everlasting God, Elohim, God, uh, Jealous, Jehovah Jireh, there's one, the Lord will provide. The Lord provides. He's become my Jehovah Jireh. Remember that song we used to sing? And we did any of you do a dance with it or anything? Because it's what it, kind of that dirge that goes with it. But it, but it, and sometimes you know what? Sometimes I think that sometimes we make it kind of like we lose what it truly means. God provided. I didn't know how I was going to make this happen, and God provided. I've heard many of you share stories of that when it comes to tithing. I don't know how I can tithe. On paper, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how I can do that. And then are the ones that says, I don't know how I can do that, but the first thing I'm going to do is tithe, and somehow everything happens. It's because we've experienced the Lord as our provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. And you get the picture. But something happens here uh, in this where David, he goes from... He goes from talking about God, like the God is our shepherd, God, Lord is my shepherd, but then he goes into this personal experience, intimate language that says the Lord, He's the one. You are the one. You, 
You are the one that does this. You are the one. You're the one that's provided. You're the one that's, that's protected me. You're the one that I don't experience fear. And I don't experience hunger. I don't experience pestilence. You're the one where I truly experience the restoration of my soul. You are my shepherd. You are my shepherd. Guys, when we sat and talked about this as a staff this week, it was kind of funny because I think we really struggle. And, and this is my opinion, but it's 100% right, okay? Um, <laughs> We struggle with intimacy. Just when we use that word intimacy, it's like, don't say that word. That has something to do with something else. We struggle with this intimacy. With one, I was in, just this week, I was in, I went to Starbucks and I was talking to somebody and I just asked them a simple question. Literally a simple question. And they looked at me and they said, that's a real personal question. And I'm like, I mean, literally, I, I didn't know what to say. Because I asked them a question. I mean, literally, it wasn't like I asked anything that, that would be, that I wouldn't say in front of everybody. I just asked them a simple question. And I was like, well, that's a really personal question. And I was taken off guard. Literally. I didn't know what to say after that. I was just like, I literally said, okay, well, I guess the conversation's over. I mean, that's literally what I said. Because I was taken, I was taken aback so much. And, it, and and as we were talking about this, this, this is what came to my mind. Because it's like we are horrible with people being personal with us, right? We're horrible. Some of you will, some of us, we struggle with this so much. Something will happen within our lives, and we don't want to tell anybody. We'll have a sickness or, or an accident or anything like that. And it's like, well, I don't want to bother anybody else. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how it's been set up. That's called community. That's called, that's called having relationships, right? Somehow, we buy into this deception of Satan that says we can't be transparent, we can't be vulnerable. And we try to live our lives like that, and what happens is we are miserable people. We're miserable. Some of you are carrying burdens around because you refuse to let anybody in your life. It's crazy. And you can justify it. I would like to see the scripture you use to justify it. Because we're called to be... Do we, we under, cognitively, we understand this, right? We're called to be in community with one another. Read the one another's that Paul writes throughout the Bible. That's called community. That's called living together. That's called journeying together. That's called being in each other's lives. You don't look to someone and say, well, that's really personal. I'm not talking about, hey, can you show me your... Can you show me your tax return? I'd like to see how much you... I, that's not questions I, I ask. That's a personal question, isn't it? Right? I get some of us, maybe it shouldn't be a personal question. We say, I'm struggling. And I don't know what to do. I need prayer. I need prayer. But we struggle with that. And because we struggle with that, we miss out on... We're trying. We're, we're horizontal, man. We're trying to control things. And we don't want people in. We don't want to let people in. We don't want to let people know. And we, we, we don't like that, man. We don't like that. This is the antithesis of this. Because this is where we start doing life together. And we say, God is my shepherd. And God's going to put people in my life to help me. God's going to put others in my life to help me. And it's not a one-way street either. There's reciprocity that takes place, okay? I don't need someone else in my life to say, this is what you're doing wrong. Hey, newsflash, I already know what I'm doing wrong. 
Okay? I need someone to help me journey. And I don't need judged or condemned. That's already happened, okay? There's already, I already got that taken care of. I need someone to look into my life and say, hey man, you're human. I want to walk with you. I want to journey with you. That's what happened to David. And because of that, the first, what happened here, I'm just going to talk about two points very quickly here. The first thing that happens with David is he, we find he found strength of authority that gives peace. Through this, in this particular 23rd Psalm, we find a strength of authority that gives us peace. Don't you... For instance, let me ask you this question. You guys do know that... Just I don't want to assume, but you guys do know that God created the world, right? Right? He created the world... He created it through His spoke. Jesus created it. We're told that Jesus created the world. He brought the world into existence with His spoken Word. Right? Just His spoken Word, He brought everything into existence. Okay? That's what we're told. I believe it's in John. Colossians, Paul talks about it too. He created the world. He created the universe. When we start studying the universe, when we start thinking about uh, just how vast the universe is, it gives us this sense of minuteness, right? That I'm not at the center of this universe. But God spoke through Jesus, the Trinity here, Jesus spoke it all into existence from His Word. Remember in the garden about this time, this week, in the garden where they came to arrest Him, and they asked Him the question, Are you Jesus? And He said what? I am He. And when he said that, I am he, they all fell down. Why? Was it because it was dark and they tripped over a root and then everybody just kind of piled up? It was because of the power of his voice. It's kind of a comical thing. We kind of make it comical at times because we're thinking, you know, maybe Jesus said, oh, oh, I need to turn it back some. I am he. And he says it again, I am he. I am He. So here's my point, guys. If the Creator of this universe has invited us into a relationship with Him, and we are able to have a relationship with Him, and we are part of His family, and we are considered co-heirs with Jesus Christ, and we are brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ, who created and spoke everything in that we see into existence, tell me that doesn't give you peace when you spend time in that authority. What problem can you have? And I'm not minimizing problems that you may be experiencing, but what problem or burden can you possibly be carrying around that the Creator of this universe can't say, enough, out, done? Does that bring you peace? That surely brings, that brings me peace. We live in a world, as I said before, that is so broken. And people talk about the church. And we talk about the statistics. We talk about all these things, how church people are leaving and church doors are closing and how the church is in a great peril and all these other things. Newsflash, the church has won the battle. Okay? I don't believe everybody may be going. There may be probably some people that are part of the, the church that really aren't part of the church. But when we're part of the church, the bride of Christ, Things are going to look different for you and I. We're going to be spending eternity with Jesus Christ for, forever and ever and ever. That brings me peace. That brings me peace from, while I'm living in a broken world. That brings me peace. The second thing is this. Because of that, comfort of His love removes all my fear. 
When we spend time in the presence of Jesus, the creator of this world, our shepherd that says, I will provide, I will feed you, I will protect you, I will take care of you. You don't have anything to worry about. Get your, maybe, maybe what needs to happen in our, in our translation it says this, get your eyes off the horizontal because that's mine. You want to drive yourself insane? Try to fix the horizontal stuff in your life because you can't do it. Only Jesus can deal with it. And when we focus our eyes on Jesus as the shepherd and we place our complete, explicit trust in Him and follow Him, which we say that we are doing as a Christian, we're saying, I'm following Him, I'm a Christian. When we place our complete faith and trust in Him, there's this sense of peace that sweeps over us that, that only can come from the throne room of heaven. That's what... That's what it means to shift your focus off of the he, he, he into the you. You're with me. As the worship team comes, we're going to spend a few moments worshiping and then we're going to take communion together because I can't, you know, (laughs) when we talk about following the Good Shepherd, this is what the Good Shepherd has done for us. He has laid His life down for us. But it really comes down to three simple words that I want to end on this morning. Uh, And it's it's this. It's a question that says this. Do you trust? There's not the beginning of another sentence after this. Okay? It's not do you trust, and then you throw out there, yes, but, dot, dot, dot. That's not trusting. Do you trust? Do you trust? Do you trust that Jesus has your best interest in His mind? Do you you trust that? Do you truly trust that? And I think you can pull back. I think you need to pull back to answer that question. Because if I truly trust Him, that means I'm going to follow Him. That means He's going to take me through places that's going to feel very awkward for me. It's going to feel very scary for me. But I have to trust Him to know that my best interest is at His heart. He died for me. Throughout Scripture, we have, we live, 2015, we live on this side of the Bible, of the Word of God. We're able to pick up the Word of God and we're able to look to see how God showed up, how God led, how God provided, how God protected, how God did all these amazing things. And, and guys, if we think that the Bible's done in the sense of that that was great, it happened there, but it's not really happened now, you, you're not trusting. You're not trusting, and you're missing out on so much in your relationship with Jesus. Because He continues, as the Bible says, He doesn't change. And He's the same then as he is now and so we're going to spend a few moments just singing to God here kind of closing this time out but I want you to seriously use this time to respond to him I believe his spirit's here this morning I believe that his spirit is challenging some of you I believe all of us but I believe that some of you he's asking and he's saying when is it when are we going to take the next step when are you going to trust me when are you going to let it go? 
when are you going to let this stuff go right here and let me have it? Yeah, God, but I'm angry. When are you going to let go and let me have it? When are you going to let me have it? He's asking that question to every single one of us in here this morning. Do you trust me? Do you truly trust me? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And I get that we're humans. And that's the other thing that I just want to share very quickly. I get that we're humans. And the thing that excites me so much when we come and we worship in here at Element is this sense of, I know that I'm broken. I know that I make mistakes. But I also know that I have a loving God that's there when I'm in a cast down position that comes over and He picks me up and He puts my feet on the rock again. I have to believe that. Because if I can't believe that, then I am a wretched person and I have no hope. God is with us. God is here this morning wanting to minister. God is wanting to take some of you to a net, to the next place and He's been pressing and pressing and pressing and you, some of you have been resisting, resisting, resisting. Some of you are responding. You're allowing God to move you and because of that, you've discovered new realities of God. So today, what is it? We're going to take communion after this song. I'll come back up and, and lead us into that moment but I just want to say this. Use this time to prepare your hearts, okay? Use this time to prepare your hearts so that you come and you can celebrate. We're not, you don't have to be a partner or a member here at Element Church to take communion. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear about that. I'm not going to judge you, though. I don't know your hearts. I don't know where you are. That's not up to me. That's between you and God. So use this time right now to just connect with Him. I know His Spirit's here. I know that He's wanting to minister to every single one of us to take us deeper and deeper and deeper into His love and discover more and more about Him. Let me pray as we uh, begin to worship God in this next moment. Father, I pray that You would just use this time to touch us, to grab our souls, to grab our hearts. Father, some of us are reluctant and resistant to open up, and I pray that You would just barge through pray that you would break down the doors and the walls and that you would come in and, 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 and rescue some of us because we're just scared children that truth be known we're just kind of hiding in a corner we're just grabbing a hole we're just literally trembling because we don't know what to do I pray that you would just make yourself known to, to, to every single one of us regardless of whatever situation you find us in that is the beauty of trusting you because we know that you will minister to each person in here the way that they need to be ministered to. So, Father, we just give you this time. We give you this space. We pray that Satan would not have any freedom in this room whatsoever. We know that he cannot coexist with you in your presence. And so we pray that you would just overwhelm us in a very powerful way right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.